Well, we're st- I'm starting a new series uh, with you guys, and I'm excited about it. The last one went, I think, 10 messages talking about marriage, but then obviously talking about relationship and every other relationship as well. And this um, topic we're going to be talking about will have application to every one of us, too. It's, and I'm titling the series, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. It's a little poem that I made up as a kid. No, no. Uh, it is... Certainly one that you've heard of before, I'm sure, as a kid on the playground, um, something that kids would say to one another. And I did a little bit of research, not a lot, but uh, it seems unclear on the origin uh, of this little rhyme, which is a shame because I'm sure the author is feeling horrible they're not getting the credit that he deserves or she deserves. Um, But it is somewhat unknown uh, who said this uh, little, first said this little poem here, two-line poem, but in doing a little research on poems and talking about lies, I found another one that, um, inclusion of the poem, but I thought the first lines uh, were good. It says, once upon a time, the ancient legends tell, truth rising from the bottom of her well, looked upon the world, but hearing how it lied, returned to her seclusion horrified. And... This is an old poem. It's written some hundred years ago, uh, but I think in a lot of ways, um, truth personified here, if truth were to come out today, may do the same thing. Seeing all the lies around, hearing the lies from the world may return to her seclusion again uh, because of the lies in the world around us. And I'm sure if you listen to much of the media, um, read any news stories, you're hearing things that Hopefully, you question. You question the truth of it, the veracity of it. Uh, In just about 10 days ago, there was an article in the New York Times, and in that author, in that article, the author states, in late December, an Oakland, California engineering manager named Amy Schneider became the winningest woman in Jeopardy history. And if you look up winningest woman in Jeopardy history, you know, all your Google searches will show news articles from every organization speaking of this person as the winningest woman in Jeopardy history. And if you're familiar with this story, which I'm sure many of you are, um, this person is actually not a woman, born a man, and now claiming to be a woman. And you can see things like that and realize the world has willingly uh, imbibed on something, a, a, a falsehood, and proclaiming it as truth. And this is not uncommon, that we have things that are being said now that just boggle the imagination. Civilizations for all history would say this is a man. And yet, the last five years, if you were to say otherwise, um, you are homophobic, transphobic, uh, and to be canceled out of society. And that's where things have gone in the last number of years, but we hear a lot of statements made today that we have to question, what is the truth about this? Is this true? Things as love is love. Kindness is everything. You can be anything you want to be. Homosexuality is not a choice. It's biology. Coexist. My body, my choice. You are the victim. Silence is violence. You deserve the best. Look out for yourself. No one else will. And if you got it, flaunt it. And these are just a few examples 
of different statements that are made out in the world today and stated many of these as true beyond question. A lot of them do have an element of truth to them, but that's not the problem. The problem is the error that's mixed in and the error that if you pressed on it is what the world is holding to now. And these are lies, therefore, lies that are being told us by the world. And the scripture is clear about how God feels about lying, is it not? It's clear on the sinfulness of lying. Lying lips, it says in Proverbs 12, 22, are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. And I think uh, this morning, hearing from Pastor MacArthur, the word abomination, he talked about that a little bit and how an abomination, something that is utterly detestable. And that is what lying lips are to the Lord. In Exodus 20, 16, one of the Ten Commandments we know speaks out against lying. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And again in Proverbs, to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. In this list of things given to us in this passage that the Lord hates, these seven things that are abomination to the Lord, two of them talk about lying. That is how strong God feels about lying, his hatred towards lying, how detestable lying is. And as Christians, we must not tell lies, certainly. But that is not what our series is going to be about, not what today is going to be about. Today and the rest of the message in the series are going to be about hearing lies. Certainly we must not tell lies, but we need to be careful about the lies that we hear. Because there can be, um, it's an abomination to God, you can expect God's judgment on that. But there are consequences to believing lies as well. And we see that from the very beginning, don't we? Adam and Eve believing the lie and listening to Satan. And the world has been under the curse of sin ever since. Many have believed false teachers over the years and gone through their life thinking they're following a good religion when in fact they're going to face eternal condemnation. Jesus told us that many believe a lie that they are saved when their lives give no evidence of it. Convinced of their own lie, people will cry out, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. Lies, if we believe lies, there can be very dangerous consequences. So we must be on guard against lies. We must, in the purpose for today, what I want to go through today is, number one, I want to look at the importance of the truth. And so that's the first question we're going to look at. How important is the truth? I want you to recognize the importance of it. In our world, sometimes it's like, you know, the truth will hurt somebody. Why don't you just say something? Why don't you just look over the lie, look over the falsehood, the deception, because it's the person's feelings might get hurt. You hurt their self-esteem. But we'll see from Scripture the importance of the truth. And I want you to realize, too, the source of lies that are coming to you. And we'll look at who is lying to you. Because once you understand the source, then you can better determine, the third point here, how we combat the lies. How are we prepared to combat the lies? Now, as we go through this and through this series, there's a number of them in the truth. 
We need to know the truth. You need not to be deceived. The passage that Pastor MacArthur was coming from this morning, talking about, do not be deceived. These people will not inherit the kingdom. And as Christians, we can be deceived if we're not careful. So I, I want to go through the lies of the world, and not necessarily specific statements. We're not going to be looking at what some call fake news today and different news articles necessarily, but the ideologies that stand behind statements that are made in the world and how we must compare those with what Scripture says. So I want you to stand firm in the truth, and I want, secondly, as we go through the series, for you to be able to respond with the truth. When someone speaks a lie, when someone says something that you know is contrary to Scripture, how do you respond? How do you act? How do you bring truth situation? And finally, of course, ultimately, that you would help people come to the knowledge of the truth, that you would help people come to show them Christ. Because we could win every argument. Even that said, saying, okay, I understand what the Bible says about these issues. I know how to respond, and I can win a debate. Well, that's not the goal. Winning a debate will not help if that person doesn't come to the knowledge of Christ. And so certainly we must keep that in mind and not fight the battle in a place where we should not. So we're going to go through these. I have gobs of verses as well. Um, I guess Pastor MacArthur went 15 minutes long, so uh, that, that, I'm supposed to emulate my pastor, right? I'm, uh, we'll see what we can do, uh, but I'm looking forward to going through this together with you. Uh, starting with how important is the truth? Is the truth? And as we answer this question, a few sub-points to this. The first thing we must remember is that we serve a God of truth. We serve a God of truth. As we've already seen, God hates lies. They're abomination to him. But scripture not only tells us how much God hates lies, but how much he affirms the truth, how important the truth is. In Exodus 34, we read a brief account of God giving a brief description, a self-description, an autobiography, if you will, about who he is. Moses had asked, Lord, show me your glory. And God said, you can't see my full glory and live, but did let him see uh, what it says is the backside of his glory. But God also gave him a description of himself. And this is what the Lord said, what Yahweh said to Moses. God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on their grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. In this description that the Lord gives of himself, one of the things he says is that he is abounding in loving kindness and truth. That truth is part of who he is. We cannot separate God from truth. God is a God of truth. And as it says here that he's a God of truth, that includes that all he communicates is true. We know that. God cannot lie. He knows all truth. He is the only true God. That is part of what can be meant here in contrast to all the false of truth. Should we love the truth? Absolutely. If we love God, God is a God of truth. And we see in the Psalms many times 
The psalmist praised God for being a God of truth. And in fact, you see loving kindness and truth often go together as they did in the Exodus 34 passage. In Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. Psalm 57, 3, he will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me, Selah. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. Psalm 108.4, for your loving kindness is great above the heavens and your truth reaches to the skies. And then in the shortest psalm, in fact, the shortest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 117, says, praise the Lord, all nations, toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. The truth of the Lord is everlasting. And we can see in the Psalms, and I, I just grabbed a few to put on here to remind you of the truth of God, but you will see God again and again stating that he is true. And the, Psalm, the Psalms and other prophets praising him for being a God of truth. Now, of course, as Christ came, we know Christ was God in human flesh. And what does that mean? Well, part of it means that he was full of truth. John 1.14 reminds us of this. <clears throat> and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. <clears throat> and certainly we praise, we need to also praise Christ for the truth that he brought to us as well. Full of grace and truth. Jesus, of course, describes himself as being the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus' own description is truth. And as Jesus stood before Pilate, before his crucifixion, answering Pilate's questions, he states this, For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. We serve a God of truth. From the very beginning of his self-revelation, he speaks of himself as being a God of truth. And again and again, he is praised for his truth. Well, certainly, if, if we love God, truth is important to us because we serve a God of truth. Well, not only do we serve a God of truth, but secondly, truth should be important to us because the scriptures say that we are people of the truth. We are people of the truth. That is what should characterize us. Certainly as God's children, we should have the same characteristics as our father. And if our father is a God of truth, we should as well. One of the descriptions of salvation, the ways, one of the ways the New Testament describes it, is salvation is synonymous with coming to the knowledge of the truth. One example of that, 1 Timothy 2.4. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Later in 2 Timothy 2.24 and 25, all able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. This is what 
you can say as a believer, you can say, I have come to the knowledge of the truth. And as you share with someone, want to see them come to Christ, you can say, I want you to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is truth that is to be found, and that truth is found in Christ. And since we are his people, we are those who have come to the knowledge of the truth. It's not become a Christian. We do not follow Christ because it makes you feel good. That's not our gospel presentation. It's not, hey, we have a great time as a church. Sure, that's true, but that's not what it is. And it's not because, hey, friends and family are doing it. Okay, I need to follow this because my parents, well, follow it because it's true. Coming to Christ is the truth. And even if everyone rejects, even if your parents did not follow Christ, you want to follow the truth. And that is what it means to be a believer, is to come to the knowledge of the truth. Further, we know that the gospel is defined as the word of truth, or sometimes the message of the truth. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also, after having listened to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's saying the message of truth is the gospel of your salvation. That is what we believe, that is what we follow, is the truth. And again in Colossians 1, 3-5, As Paul prays for the believers in heaven, of which you previously heard, in the word of truth, the gospel. We are people of the book, and the book is truth. God's word is truth. So we have come to the knowledge of truth because we have heard and believed the message of the truth. And therefore, next, we must handle carefully the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. As a workman need not to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. We handle scripture carefully. We carefully read and interpret and proclaim it because it's the word of truth. And if we twist scripture in any way, we are twisting the truth. And so therefore, we must study it carefully. And we must speak the truth. And in fact, it says in Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, speak the truth carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him, who is the head, even Christ. So we handle the truth well, we speak the truth, and finally under this point, we need to remember that the church is the pillar and support of the truth. In 1 Timothy 3.15, we're reminded of that, the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. I'm going through a lot of verses today, covering a lot of ground and pretty quick, and I I admit it, and I uh, apologize in some ways for going so fast, but what I want you to see, and my purpose is to show you that this is not one passage that talks about, it's not isolated in Scripture. Truth is woven throughout Scripture concordance search and put all these truth passages and it filled up so many pages and try to you how do you wrap your arms around this but one you know the the points we need to learn from this is truth is important it's important to us 
because God is a God of truth, because we are people of the truth, because we have the word of truth, the Bible, and we are to speak the truth in love. So truth must be important to us because of who we are, who God has made us. And in looking at the importance of the truth, we must conclude then that we must pursue the truth. It's important because of who God is. It's important because who we are. And it's important because the commands that are, giving us, that are given us by God to pursue after the truth. By becoming saved, you do come to the knowledge of the truth. Your mind is changed in the Bible in its, uh, in its detail, every last verse, immediately when you're saved. We must continue to pursue the truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. We must seek after truth. We must do all that we can to obtain it, to buy truth and do not sell it. The, the way he says it here is you, you do everything you can. We can think of the pearl of great price where the, the man sells everything he has to get that pearl. And in the same way, truth, we set aside other things to get after truth, to pursue it. Earlier in Proverbs in chapter 2, Solomon reminds his son, tells him to seek after wisdom. And certainly as we see his, his exhortation there to pursue wisdom and understanding his son to pursue after truth. He must know the truth. And um, let, Let's take a look at this passage. I think we'll have time. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2. Um, I don't have it all on the, on the slide, just the first few verses. But if you look at it in your Bible... I'll read first the first few verses as you turn there to Proverbs 2, starting in verse 2. It says, Make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. So we see in these first five verses how, how much we need to pursue after wisdom and knowledge. We must pursue diligently. Seek, it says in verse 4, as a result of that, if we are faithful to seek after truth, verse 5, you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. We'll see then, as we look on in this passage, that God will give you that wisdom if you pursue after it. And the wisdom comes from the Lord, it says. Verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the ways of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. So we see then, through verse 9, God gives that wisdom. We don't seek wisdom, or we don't seek truth apart from God. We seek it from God, but we must diligently seek. And if we do that, God provides the wisdom and will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. And it goes on to say how wisdom, how truth will guard over you and how it will protect you. But to do that, where does the Proverbs start. Where does it start in that? It's a seeking. We must 
Seek for it and seek for it from the Lord. It's, it takes diligence. And the goal in all of this is to find the truth. We must find the truth. The truth that is found in God, in his word. Now, we, we can say, and I say, we need to seek the truth. And you don't blink an eyelid because you're in church and we know we seek the truth. But these days, we don't hear as much about the truth. We hear about, and that's what's often spoken of these days, instead of the truth. So we must clarify, what do we mean by that. The statements are made today by the philosopher Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Says, I know for sure, what I know for sure is that you feel real joy in direct proportion to how connected you are to living your truth. You just need to live your truth. Another philosopher, Lady Gaga. <laughs> It gives the reason for her success. She says, the reason that I'm here at all is because of my relationship with my family and their encouragement of me to be a musician and to work hard. As long as I stay in that space, I can do anything, and that's my truth. Are you part of that? Yeah, okay, great. Relationship with the family. Last one, don't know who said it, but it sums up the spirit of the age. Strength comes from living your truth. To be true and authentic is your path to happiness, peace, and joy. And is that not what we hear in the world today? That, that's the path to happiness. You live your truth. If it is something that helps you, if it is something that gets you through the day, that makes you feel special, that helps you to accomplish things, whatever idea that you have, whatever view or perspective you have, hey, that's your truth. And who am I? to say, that's not true, because, well, that's your truth. And yet that is very different from what Scripture says. It speaks of the truth. Now, these ideas are not new. Um, we hear it more frequently now, I think, at least, a new idea. Um, a couple hundred years ago, Soren Kierkegaard said something that is really a foundation to this type of thinking. And a lot of the wrong thinking that comes in this world is from philosophers that are long dead now. But they planted seeds that have resulted in the wrong thinking we see. But he wrote this, What I really need is to get clear about what I must do, not what I must know, except insofar as knowledge must precede every act. What matters is to find a purpose, to see what it really is that God wills that I should do. The crucial thing is to find a truth which is truth for me, to find the idea for which I am willing to live and die. Now, Kierkegaard claimed Christianity, and I don't know the, about his salvation or not, but he connected the truth from his truth and how he felt about it, how it moved him personally became the greatest thing is what he said. Now, for him, it was still Christianity, but many others will fall out and say, well, my truth is not that. My truth has nothing to do with Scripture. And that is what we see more in the world today, is a disconnect uh, from Scripture when people seek out their own truth. 
And I think as we evaluate uh, what is said in the world today and what we hear in society, there's a helpful term um, that uh, an author brought up. We recently, as a, a men's group, we read a book together called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. And a very interesting book and helpful in looking back at where the seeds of some modern thought um, had started. And he called the social imaginary. So he calls it the social imaginary. And, and the meaning is this. In our society, people don't necessarily hold to a social theory. They haven't thought it out. They haven't. Your average guy on the street's not reading Kierkegaard and saying, hmm, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, no, it's just something you pick up. You pick up in society. It's the way you imagine the world to be, the way you imagine society to function well. And he calls it then the social imaginary, this, this common understanding that, that you pick up in the world, you don't necessarily study to get. And so it can be uh, defined as how people in our society imagine the world to be, not so much a conscious philosophy of life as a set of intuitions and practices. And so that is so much what we see today is that people aren't reasoning through, uh, well, it's not the truth, it's my truth, because further away from Scripture, my truth doesn't become like Kierkegaard still related to Christianity. It, it, it moves further and further away from that. And then, since there is very little or lessening even belief in God or, or that God has any relevance to daily life, we see morality drifting further and further away from God's word. And uh, to illustrate this, you can think of a, of a boat that drops an anchor, a very heavy anchor down, and, and the rope is tight and it's held in one place in, uh, in a lake. And it stays there, but over time, as the winds blow, you know what, the people on the ship decide to loosen out the rope, give it more slack, give it more slack. And that is, in some ways, what has happened for a long time is anchored to the truth of God's word in some way or society, uh, was in some principles of the Ten Commandments and so forth. But over time, more and more slack has been given out, and it's further and further drifting away from that anchor of God's word. Now, it seems as if in the last five or ten years, uh, our society had the idea to cut the rope altogether. <laughs> And now we're drifting without any reference, not having to give at least a nod or wink towards God's word, but completely saying, hey, whatever we think is best for me, whatever is socially acceptable, whatever works for me, and we've lost all connection to that. The tethering to God's word has been lost. And the social imaginary is such that no more are, are moral decisions, our ethics, based off a transcendent God, off of some truth, and you have to at least try and justify from Scripture. Now it's, you know, we just pursue headlong. Is this fulfilling for me? And it's very pragmatic. And truth has become what works, not what is a transcendent truth to hold on to. It's no longer the truth but it's whatever works in my circles and whatever works in my life. And yet, we must understand as God's people, we serve the God of the truth. We are people of the truth. And we can't, in our own decision-making, in our own thinking, say, oh, we cut ties with that truth. We hold to the truth of God's word. So 
Truth is important. It's absolutely vital. And hopefully you can see that despite what society around us says about truth. Well, next I want to look at who is lying to you. We see the importance of the truth, but the reality is, is important truth lists three different sources of lies that you're encountering on a regular basis. And the first that you should know is that Satan is lying to you. Satan is lying to you, and, and this should come as no surprise at all, for Scripture is clear about that. John eight forty four, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you are, the father, you, of, you are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is by nature a liar. And he speaks lies all the time from early in the garden, right? And we already looked at that. God said, you eat this, you will die. But we've got to understand that it's Satan when he tells lies. It's like, oh, okay, if Satan's a liar, I'm not going to believe anything Satan says. No problem. Well, Satan is a master of disguise. He's not stupid. God is infinitely more powerful than Satan. It's not a dualism. They're not uh, of equal power. God is much higher in every way than Satan, and yet we must not think that Satan is stupid either. He disguises himself, it says, as an angel of light. He has been lying from the beginning, and so he knows what he's doing. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, this is what Satan is described as, as, as a disguiser, one who disguises as an angel of light. Earlier in the same chapter, it says, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and that Satan deceived Eve by craftiness. He's crafty. He's going to find a way to make things sound believable. Like, wait a minute, there's an element of truth to that. Satan is not stupid. He'll begin by planting seeds of doubt and present what may seem like a reasonable alternative to you in a situation. And a lot of times it seems reasonable because that's, well, the world thinks this is reasonable, so it must be okay. But we see again, looking at that verse there in 11.3, the warning is, as Paul's warning the Corinthians, that their minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. The battleground of these deceptions is the mind. It is the ideas, the ideas that are put out there by Satan that can get us thinking wrongly. And wrong thinking, patience of things, turns to wrong decisions, which turns into wrong actions. But it starts with wrong thinking. And Satan would love to deceive every one of us as believers and lead our minds astray. And so we see that he does this many times. And actually the context in 2 Corinthians 11 if you're there, we can pull back a little bit, 11, 13 to 15. It's a warning against false teachers. It starts in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. Such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for Satan disguises himself as the angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves. 
as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. We see here the warning against false teachers. They're going what Satan does. It's done deceptively, and often it's in the church. There are churches all over where lies are being introduced. And even this morning, as you know, as the brothers from Canada, the churches there, asked that we would uh, support them in having a message this morning that Pastor MacArthur did on the sin of homosexuality. Well, the call went out to many other churches, and many did stand up and do that, but there are many who did not, and many, there's various reasons for not, but some who definitely would not because they've completely agreed with the world's estimation that homosexuality is okay. There are many churches that would not stand with the truth of Scripture on that issue. It comes in through the churches, and it sounds so good. You love people. Oh, don't we love people? Yeah, it sounds so good. And yet, when we look underneath that, we see that there are lies and not in keeping with Scripture. I just think of the, uh, well, the sign I saw in front of Brad Clawson's house uh, the other day. Um, <laughs> I was a little surprised. I thought, wow, Okay. His lawn is great, though. I mean, you can see how green he's keeping that. But a, a popular sign now, and I know it was in front of Brad's house. Um, science is real. Black lives matter. No human is illegal. Love is love. Women's rights are human rights. Kindness is everything. Now, boy, that, that sounds kind of right. Science is real? Well, yeah, you know, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, of course. You know, no human is illegal. Well, I guess, uh, you know, love is love. But behind these is an ideology a lot of times. And what is meant by these statements or the conclusions that follow up these statements are very much opposed to the truth of God's word. So we must be careful of the deception. The deception that Satan is putting out there. He disguises himself. And these statements that are made, they sound okay, but we must evaluate carefully. So Satan is lying to us. Secondly, the world is lying to us. And I'll need to go a little quicker through the rest of my notes here, but I am halfway, so we're in good shape. <laughs> um, the world is lying to you, and certainly it's uh, Satan behind lies that the world is saying, but it's not always through a false teacher that comes into a church. Satan sometimes uses uh, just the media, and we read lies through the media. And now it media constantly, right? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not like when I was a kid. That's the last time I'll use that. But, you know, there was a daily newspaper, there was the evening news on the three networks, and that's what it was. Now you can get it all the time from any perspective from any bias you want to get it. Um, of course, you can get statements um, of opinion on morality and truth from blogs as well, from all kinds of independent sites, certainly from social media as well. Um, it's great to be able to see what your friends had for lunch the day before on Facebook. Um, but many times also statements are being made about what is good and bad. And we, we hear voices constantly making moral judgments on things. And we need to evaluate these. Because many times the world is telling us things 
through eyes, but they're not true from God's word. And in, if you have a chance, Romans 1 speaks of this, and we won't go through it today, but um, it's no surprise that there's lies because unbelievers have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And as you read in Romans 1, and I encourage you, Romans 1, 21 through the end of the chapter, we see when people have exchanged the truth of God for a lie, God gives them over to their depraved mind. And reason and logic go out the window. And things like I mentioned earlier, the winningest woman in Jeopardy history who's not a woman, are statements that are made. And this is not surprising because they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The world is going to lie to us, so we need to be on guard. Third, you are lying to you. That's another source of lies. And maybe one that you say, okay, yeah, say in the world, okay. What do you mean? I'm lying to me. What do you, what, what do you mean by you are lying to you? But Scripture does make it clear that often we deceive ourselves. And in many ways, we can deceive ourselves. We can deceive ourselves in thinking when we're saved, when really we're not. James 1.26 talks about the person who deceives his own heart, who says one thing and yet does not follow after Christ. We can deceive ourselves in thinking we do not have sin. 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Galatians 6.3, we can be deceived by our own pride. If anyone thinks he is something, when we shouldn't be surprised by this because our own hearts are deceitful, as Jeremiah 17.9 reminds us. The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You may be, okay, I will be careful not to listen to the lies of Satan. I'll be careful on what the world says, but you may all along be lying to yourself as you evaluate your own heart, as you evaluate your own life. And a big way this happens in the way that we lie to ourselves is through our emotions, is that we listen to our emotions and let them be the judge of what is right and wrong. And if this feels okay for me, oh, it makes me happy, it must be the right thing to do. We look to our emotions to be the arbiter of true and false and yet, our emotions are a very imperfect judge on what is true and what is right. We can lie to ourselves. We can comfort ourselves, justify ourselves in doing something. And in reality, we are very much lying to ourselves. And we need to take the truth of Scripture, the truth of God, and we need oftentimes to speak to ourselves and tell ourselves the truth and say, look, I'm, I'm not even speaking to myself Truth, when I listen to my emotion, I need to speak the truth of God's word to it. How you feel about something is not the best basis to decide if it's right. What God's word says is how we judge what is true and what is false. So we are lied to by Satan, we're lied to by the world, and even by ourselves. So how do we combat? And I'll go through these quickly because in future weeks, we'll, we'll go more in depth on these. We combat the lies by filling our mind on how bad the world is. 
let's all feel sad about the world and long for the days of uh, the former so-called Christian America and isn't it bad now? That's not of use to us. That's not what we're going to do. In fact, if we are in constant lament about the way America used to be, it shows we're holding on to this world way too much. Our, our home is the next life, and we are not to pine for a wonderful, moral America again. We are to be people of the truth who reach out to people with truth that they will come to the knowledge of the truth. We would love, and we do our duty as citizens. It's not that we neglect to vote. We should do those things. But ultimately, we know this is not our home. And so what we need to do, first of all, is we need to fill our minds with the truth. And like I said, we'll look at that in more detail, uh, everything by the truth of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. The, we can know the truth, but if we're not evaluating everything by the truth, uh, we're not going to make right evaluations and right decisions. We have to take the truth of Scripture and not separate it from what's going on in life around us. We must apply it. Uh, there's uh, a Nancy Piercy book talks about we can draw a line between spiritual things and then reality. And Okay, these are truths here, but they don't affect the other part of life. Well, the reality is, no, we must understand Scripture and apply it to our lives and apply it to every situation in the world around us. We must think carefully on that. Next, pray for the wisdom of God. We must pray that God would open our eyes to the tr- an understanding of God's word and be able to apply it to the world around us. Next, we need to minim- minimize the input of lies. And this is something I just encourage you as you fill your mind with truth from God's word, make sure you're not filling your mind constantly with garbage from the world. So many times we say, yeah, I'm spending time in God's Word, but then we're filling our minds constantly, whether it's news articles or websites or uh, movies, whatever it is, with messages from an unbiblical worldview. And sometimes those aren't even evaluated, those messages that are coming through. Every movie has a message, and it's trying to tell you something. And if you don't take Scripture and evaluate everything by it, you can easily start accepting this messaging that's coming from the world in every news article, every song, every movie that's out there. So we need to minimize the input of life. And finally, fellowship with God's people. When you're in fellowship with God's people, with others who hold to the truth, you can be reminded, okay, this doesn't agree with the world around me. This, I may be not in line with the social imaginary, how people in the world imagine things to be, but I'm with God's people. And we know the truth And we serve a God of truth, and we can rejoice in that. And again, it's not that we, okay, let's huddle up and hide ourselves then from the world. But as God's people, we need to bring the truth to the world. We need to stand firm in it. We need to know it, stand firm in the truth. And then we need to bring the truth, speak the truth in love to the world around us. So I'm looking forward to this series and going through. This is kind of a foundational overview And we'll, in the future, be looking at more specific ideas. God, we thank you for this time together. I just pray for, uh, Lord, that the truth of your word 
even recognizing that you are a God of truth, would fill us with joy, Lord, and that we would um, be people who are faithful with the truth, who handle accurately the truth. Lord, we um, thank you that you are the one who's brought us to the knowledge of the truth, and we would not have found you on our own. You revealed yourself, you have changed us, and we give you all glory. Keep us humble. We are not better than the world because you have shown us the truth. Lord, we have been shown your grace. And Lord, may we go to others in the world as one beggar to another saying, hey, I found bread over here. Here's, here's where the truth is. And lead them to the knowledge of you. In the name of Christ, amen.